well. I hope that you have been encouraged and that you have been blessed as you have been looking back at some of the lessons that we've learned throughout this year around different topics. Amen. This is the final message in our series, Rewind, and today's message is King and Kingdom. We will review messages about the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Now, of course, every message, if it is a, a biblical message, of course it's going to be about Jesus. And somehow it's going to refer to the kingdom of God. But there were some messages, of course, just about every message touches on that. But some messages we look specifically at Jesus, his work, his person, and at the kingdom of God. And so Jesus himself, he said in Matthew 6, 33, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so no matter what we do, it must be Jesus first, kingdom first. It's all about Jesus. Amen. And so we're going to look at some messages which focused uh, specifically on the person and the work of Jesus. From the Old Testament, there were prophecies pointing to the coming Messiah, to that person that we know today as Jesus Christ. And as the year unfolded, we looked at many passages from the Old Testament and the New Testament. Passages that showed, that foretold of his coming, his suffering. And we looked at how he saved us. The work that he did on the cross for us. The work that he's doing now for us and his future work. We studied all that. We spoke about the fact that we belong to a kingdom that now is only in our hearts. We don't see the physical manifestation of this kingdom yet. And yet, we see the manifestation of it in our hearts. When people seek first the kingdom of God, we see the changes that it causes and uh, the manifestation of that kingdom in people's lives. But it is not a kingdom, an earthly kingdom with a king somewhere that you can go and visit on this earth. But one day, this kingdom, the kingdom of God, will be real and manifest on the earth. Amen? So, let's start our review with the message called The Table from the 10th of January. 10th of January this year. It was actually our first communion service of 2021. And guess what? Next week will be our last communion service of 2021. What on earth happened to 2021? Huh? <laughs> wow. Anyway, it was our first communion service, and I read to you from Psalm 23, verse 5. You prepare a table. That's where the title came, comes from. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Isn't that amazing? In the middle of adverse situations and in the, in the beginning of the year, remember we were right in the middle of what? Our third wave, whatever it was. Yeah, third wave it was, yes. Second. No, second wave January. Third wave came in June, yeah. It was in the middle of our second wave. Again, unknown. And... Uh, and here the Lord is talking to us in the presence of adversity, 
the Lord prepares a table for us. And we saw then at that service that this psalm, that verse, pointed to the communion table that Jesus would share with his disciples many centuries later. And he would launch a ritual that would continue until his return to earth. We continue taking communion and we will continue until he returns. Because that will be then, just before he returns, when you go up to him, it will be the great communion service where Jesus will be present. We also saw that what gives significance to Psalm 23 is what Psalm 22 prophesies. And we went over Psalm 22. We're not going to repeat it here today, but we went over Psalm 22. And Psalm 22 actually accurately describes the suffering of Jesus on the cross. It was written by David, and he lived about a thousand years before Christ. Imagine that, predicting one day in a man's life a thousand years before it happened. Huh? <laughs> And people still want to argue that the Bible is not inspired by God? <laughs> Come on. Now, you can read the whole psalm later, but let me point you to just one or two passages quickly. Psalm 22, verse 1 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Recognize those words? It's what Jesus cried out. From the cross. What about verse 8 of Psalm 22? He trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him. Since he delights in him. Remember these words? Huh? That is what the people who were observing his death said in mockery of him. But you see, Psalm 22 talks about what we remember today or Every day as we have communion until today, when we have communion, when you break bread, we remember this. We remember the fact that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried. <laughs> but praise God, on the third day, he rose again. It did not end just with suffering. It ended with victory. Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. The apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 26, he said, for as often as you eat the bread and drink this cup, as often as you have communion, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That tragic event of the murder of Jesus <laughs> became our cry of victory. Hallelujah. Because of what the Lord, what the Lord's death achieved. Amen. Praise God. You rose again on the third day. And, and you cannot proclaim the Lord's death without proclaiming his resurrection and his coming. Hallelujah. And so that's what we do when we take communion. We remember the Lord died, that he rose again on the third day, never to die again. Then we remember that he's going to return again. Amen. And of course, when you go back to Psalm 23, verse 5, as I mentioned in the beginning, the Lord prepares a table in the middle of adversity. Okay? It says, a table in the presence of our enemies. We know that Jesus is king. He's king of our hearts. 
He might not be a king on the earth yet, but he is the king of our hearts. So we know that Jesus is king, and he came to establish the kingdom of God on earth. And that kingdom will one day be fully manifested. So while we are on the earth, we are surrounded by people who oppose the kingdom of God, right? Not everybody believes that Jesus is king. Not everybody confesses Jesus as their king. And many are actually openly opposed to the kingdom of God. And so we live in this now and not yet reality. Yes, we belong to the kingdom of God. Yes, Jesus is our king, but we are not yet what we are going to be. Remember when we spoke about the process of salvation? We are saved, you are being saved, but we are not yet what you are going to be. Totally restored and saved. The kingdom of God is not totally manifest yet. It's a tension that we live in right now, a tension between what is and what it shall be. Hmm. And so, while we are on earth, we are surrounded by those who oppose the kingdom of God, who oppose the ways of the creation of God. The kingdom is here now, but not in its fullness. This will only happen when Jesus returns. And because of that, there is tension. We are children of God, but still living in an imperfect, broken world. There is sickness, there is disease, pestilence, persecution, difficulties of all kinds around us, death. And in the midst of all this, the Lord invites us, those who believe in him, to his table and reminds us that there is hope. Amen. There is provision. There is peace for those who trust in him. We can find rest in his presence. We can find strength to fight our daily battles in his presence. We can find wisdom to make the right choices and decisions. We can find forgiveness when we sin, when we make mistakes, or when we allow our flesh to get in the way of his will in our lives, we can run to him and find forgiveness and restoration. Hallelujah. We can find comfort and encouragement when we suffer loss. We are invited to his table. Something I also want to highlight is the three-part series we did on the work of Christ. On the work of Christ. In part one of that series, Our Savior, which we spoke of on the 25th of April, we saw that the work of Christ as our Savior is a done work. When we talk about the crucifixion, about his burial, death, resurrection, that is a complete finished work. In John 19, verse 30, we read what Jesus cried out at the cross just before he died. John 19, 30 says, So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And then he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. It is finished. 
Klar. What work did Jesus finish on earth? Here are some of the things that Jesus came to do and did. He came to take away the sin of the world, according to John 1.19. He came to seek and to save what was lost, according to Luke 19.10. He came to give his life as a ransom for many, in Mark 10.42. He came to save sinners, in 1 Timothy 1.15. He came to take away our sins, 1 John 3.5. What was finished? The redemptive work of Christ on earth. This is the reason why God became man to pay the price for our sins. The penalty, what was due to us that we owed God. Jesus came to pay and to put an end to it. That is what was finished. The rent veil of the temple. Remember when he died, that veil torn from top to bottom. And that proclaimed, it is finished. And of course, the open tomb three days later also proclaimed, it is finished, hallelujah. The work of Christ to save mankind is finished, hallelujah. In part two of that series called Our Priest of the 2nd May, there we looked at the present work of Christ as our high priest. The work of Jesus is a work in progress. Just because he finished his redemptive work does not mean he's finished all his work. It continues. And once he finished his redemptive work, now he engages in another aspect of the work, which is as our high priest. As high priest, he is mediator between God and man. We read in 1 Timothy 2.5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. You have to listen to this, guys. Because until today, people, including Christians, people who call themselves Christians, are looking for other mediators. They have Jesus and. The Bible is clear. There is only one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus. Why does it say the man Jesus? Because when God took the form of man, when Jesus became a human being and was born on that stable, he took on a body. And when he died and he came back to life, he came back to life in a resurrected eternal body. He is still a man. He is still a human being. And as you saw in some messages during the year, right now, the universe is being controlled by a man. One of us, a human being. Of course, his body is not a perishable body like us, but his body is like the body we are going to get at resurrection or transformation, whichever happens to us. And he is the mediator between God and men. His other work as a high priest is intercessor. Hebrews 9, 24 and 28, uh, it mentions that. And verse 24 says, For Christ has not entered the holy place made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven himself, now to appear in the presence of God for me and for you. Wow. Who could you find? What better person could you find to represent us, to represent you before God than Jesus Christ? 
the one who gave his life for you, who loved you so much that he gave his life for you and for me. So that now we can stand before God and every time you make your stupid decisions and your stupid mistakes and you're about to suffer judgment, Jesus comes in and he says, it's okay, Father, he's one of mine. I've got it. I've paid the price for that mistake too. I've paid the price for that sin too. Huh? And then the Holy Spirit comes and deals with us and sorts us out. <laughs> Amen? Oh, wow. Some of us, we come to Jesus with a lot of baggage from our days as rebels and sinners. We bring our foul language, our bad attitudes, our self-damaging habits and lifestyles. We bring twisted and unbiblical beliefs and worldviews and... Uh, when you put our trust in Jesus, we are saved. But it still takes a while for us to be changed into that which uh, Jesus wants to see in us. And here is where this intercession comes in. Jesus does not give up on us. He will continue his work in us and for us. And he is able to save us to the uttermost. Some of us needs radical changes. And he is able to do that. Of course, in that message, we looked at more aspects of the Lord's work as our high priest, as well as other work that he is doing right now, like being in charge of the heavenly hosts and being the head of the church. But let's move on now to the future work of Jesus. That was part three of that series called Our King, preached on the 9th of May. And over there, we learned that there is a spiritual kingdom now, <clears throat> but that there will be a physical kingdom one day the Lord Jesus Christ who is now bodily present in the highest heaven exercising his priesthood in, in behalf of his people he is also king to him belongs a kingdom and a kingly glory while his past work was foretold by the spirit of God in the Old Testament and his priestly work was also foretold in the Old Testament. His work as king and, as, and his glorious kingdom also was foretold and is foretold in the word of God. Here is just one of the many passages of the Old Testament which foretells of the future kingdom of God. Jeremiah 23.5, it says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. Hmm? Now, today we know that this verse was referring to Jesus. By understanding of scripture, we know that that branch of David was referring to Jesus Christ. Amen? He is the branch of David. And we hail, you and I, we hail Jesus as king. But notice that this verse, and I emphasize it when I read it, this verse says that he shall reign and execute judgment in righteousness where? In the, yeah, not in heaven. In the earth. Jesus will be present in the earth. And he will 
exercise his kingdom here. Now, this is not happening yet. That part of the verse is still to be fulfilled. The branch of David has been revealed. He has come. He has manifest. Jesus. But that part where the kingdom comes to the earth has not been fulfilled fully yet. The Old Testament uh, prophecy was confirmed centuries later when the angel Gabriel spoke to Mary. Okay, it's about Christmas time almost. Let us remember that. And in Luke chapter 1, verses 32 to 33, uh, here's what the angel said to Mary. He said, he, talking about the child that she was going to give birth to, he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. You see, that's how we know that Jesus is the branch of David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. So there is coming a day where not only he's going to be king of our hearts, but he's going to be manifest king of the world. Hmm. Wow. Again, this has not fully happened yet. Just now, I mentioned that Jesus is the head of the church. It's one of his functions right now. Notice he's the head of the church, not the king of the church. You see, church is a particular group of people he is looking after. He is king of our hearts. He is king in our hearts. Now, turning back to our opening scripture this morning, we, we must seek the kingdom of God, it says, what does that mean? We need to seek to live by the rules of the kingdom. We need to, to seek to live by the will of God. You could say that we need to be governed by God. To be in the kingdom of God is to be governed by the rules and principles of God as shown to us, as taught to us in Scripture. And when that happens, we begin to experience a, a little bit of the peace and the joy that is part of the kingdom of God. And that is why we can experience a tiny little bit of heaven on earth when we do the will of God. Jesus said, let your, when he taught us to pray, he said, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And every time the will of God is done on earth, a little bit of heaven is experienced on earth. But a day is coming when the will of God will be done on earth because Jesus will be here. He will be reigning here on the earth. A day is coming when Jesus will conclude his present work as high priest. The events that lead to that transition is something that we studied when we looked at end-time events. Things like the taking up of the church and the great tribulation on earth. Our blessed hope as his church is to see him face to face. And at the end of that period of tribulation, Jesus will return to the earth. But he won't be alone. All who have put their trust in him will appear with him, hallelujah. He will come in power and in glory, not obscurely as he did in his first coming. It will be a show of power which every eye will see. The whole earth will see him and he will establish his kingdom on the earth, hallelujah. 
So, my brother, my sister, don't let the trials and tribulations of this world trip you up in your faith. Look up. Even if in this life you suffer because of your faith, this life is not the end. Remember, you have a high priest right now watching you, interceding for you, looking forward to having you in his kingdom. And I want you to note that the work of Christ is timeless. It's timeless. Why? Because he was the Savior. He is the Savior. You'll always be the Savior, won't he? He was and is our high priest. He was. He is now. And will openly be king. What Jesus does is timeless. He is the same yesterday, today, forever. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. When you are with Jesus, when you are connected to Jesus, you're connected to someone who is timeless. Doesn't matter whether you live or die, you are with Him. You and I are timeless. <laughs> Amen? Whoa. And, and I want to close with a brief summary and reminder of two recent messages from our Colossal series. Remember the series Colossal? I, I study on the book of Colossians. In part one of Colossal, on the 24th of October, we studied chapter one of Colossians, and in it, we found out the magnitude of our Savior and his salvation. Just listen to these verses. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16. For in him, in Jesus, all things were created. What things? Things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. <laughs> Whether thrones or Powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. What was left out of this list? Huh? I, I think this list covers everything that you see and don't see. Things you understand and don't understand. Everything is covered. All things were created through him, but it's more for him as well. God's plan is that this whole universe would be connected to him and bring him glory. In verses 21 and 22 of this same chapter, he says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now, <laughs> I love these buts in the word of God, okay? But now, now, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. What more complete salvation could you have? What greater savior 
could you have? Why on earth are people looking for saviors out there when everything is in Christ? Why are people trying to redeem themselves through religion, through philosophy, through good works, and through self-efforts when the death of Jesus has settled our debt forever and we have been reconciled with God? All we have to do is believe the gospel. Trust our lives in his hands. Allow him to shape us, change us. But he shapes us and changes us from a position of safety and security. He doesn't shape and change us so that he can accept us and take us to heaven. He shapes us and changes us because he already has us in the palm of his hands. Because we already belong to him. He will not shape and change anyone who does not allow him to shape and change them. He only shapes and changes that which belongs to him. And I hope that today, Every one of us, every one of us connected through this message right now, whether present here, whether watching right now, whether you're watching or listening a little bit later, doesn't matter. I hope all of us under the sound of my voice can say with confidence, I belong to Jesus. It's like we sang earlier on today, I don't understand it. I don't comprehend it. <laughs> I don't. But it's true. We have a Savior. We have someone who accepts us. We have paid the price for our sin. I don't have to do anything else. No more sacrifices. And no more appeasing the gods or the ancestors or saint this and saint that. Jesus has done it all. And all I need is Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. He is the creator. He is God. And in spite of being this colossal person... He gave his life so we could be free from all debt of sin. Hallelujah. We, we studied as well chapter 2 and there we learned that he's the highest authority in the universe. The highest authority in the universe. No power, no authority is greater than him. There is no other God or religion or philosophy greater than Jesus Christ. <laughs> He is the fullness of God. And the instruction is for the church not to be intimidated by all the fancy sounding teachings of this world. Ah, Jesus is just one more prophet. Oh, they changed the Bible over the time. Come on, stop it. He is the fullness of God. And once we surrender to him, we begin to experience that in our own lives. No one can give peace and inner joy like Jesus can, even in the middle of trouble and tribulation. No one can comfort us like the Spirit of God can. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so the instruction, instruction is for us as his church to stand firm, to know that Christ is far above all human knowledge and all human philosophies and that we are in him. We belong to him and we are in him. Amen. Now, this is interesting that this supreme being, 
this colossal being, instead of, you know, bursting upon human history in a show of authority and power, he doesn't. Jesus enters our world in the form of a helpless baby born far from his parents' home in a humble stable. Hmm? As we come to the end of this series, you know, today, revising some of the things about the king and his kingdom today, we are about to enter now the season where we remember and celebrate his coming to earth. Amen? Believe it or not, it's almost Christmas again. <laughs> we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And of course, many people acknowledge that uh, Christmas is the birth of a king. Uh, starting long, long ago when the, when the wise men actually came to Israel looking for a king. Okay, they recognize a king is, is being born here. <laughs> and many of you are beginning to slow down, run down, close things up, you know, exams coming to end, projects coming to end, trying to wrap up things at work and so forth. It is that time of the year. And so, as we enter this Christmas season, I hope that we will do it with these truths in mind. Christmas is not about gifts and food and parties. Now, those may be a part of Christmas, but should not be the focus of Christmas. If there's a party, great. If there's no party, it's okay too, because Christmas is not about the party. It's about remembering the coming of Jesus. And remember that he entered this world simply. His first coming that we remember in Christmas was a simple Entrance. Christmas is about truth. It's about love. A love that cared so much about us. That in spite of having so much power and authority, he chose to take the form of a helpless baby. Huh? To live among us as one of us. As one who felt pain, who hungered, thirst hmm? and to reveal to us in a very natural way what God is really like so as you wrap up your 2021 life and enters this festive season let us for the rest of the month our messages will revolve around the Christmas theme. And I pray that this may be a season for you of peace and joy. May you not be influenced by the philosophies and the traditions and the pressures of this world around what Christmas means. May you enjoy the season simply and peacefully, in harmony with the king, seeking first his kingdom and living your life for him. 
Amen? Amen? Praise God. Let us stand and let us close in prayer. Lord Jesus, today we remembered just a few of the things that you learned about the king and his kingdom. We are reminded once again, Lord, that the kingdom of God should be central to our lives. That you as king, King Jesus, should be uppermost in our thinking. Should govern everything we do, everything we say. And Father, I pray that my brothers and sisters here, my brothers and sisters listening or watching this message will not be influenced by all the distractions of this world, all the discomforts, all the pains, all the hurts, all the disappointments, all the offenses, all the, the, the tribulations and the other ideas out there, my God, that those will not be distractions for your people, Lord. To continue seeking first the kingdom of God. Staying in fellowship. Staying in the word. Staying close to you Lord God. Acknowledging that you are the king of our hearts. The king of our lives. And anticipating the day when you will manifest yourself on this earth. And you will rule hallelujah. And do justice in the earth my God. We live for that Lord. And so I thank you, Father, for your word once again, that it may continue to inspire us, lead us, guide us, protect us. Thank you, Lord, that we always have a place at your table, Lord. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And so now, may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit remain with each one of us, with each one of you, as we seek first the kingdom of God and his glory. Amen and amen. Praise God. Well, next Sunday, we're getting together to sit at the Lord's table again, our last communion service for this year. Hope to have you with us. God bless you. Amen.